How many want more of that? Amen? So it's just another added Bible study that you guys can have, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, I want to get right into the series tonight. And before I do, I do want to give a quick announcement. Um, we, I just want to brag on you for your generosity that Brian was mentioning at the offering. We're waiting for the change to get counted because we take it in, in, in a bag. But um, I'm calculating close to $700 came in Sunday morning for missions. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That clap is for you. Amen. And us. What a, what a powerful thing to give money to missions, amen? So I just want to tell you it was a great offering, and we'll be sending that off next week as soon as the change amount comes in. I want to get into this series again tonight and start in Genesis chapter 3. Give me an amen if you're there. And if you're taking notes, I want to talk about, I want you to write this word down. This is the key word tonight out of the series, Quenching the Fiery Darts. I want you to write down the word deceit. Deceit or deceitfulness. Deceit or deceitfulness. Amen? Everybody ready? Got that written down? All right. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and you will be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. Father, we ask you to anoint your word tonight. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds to receive from you. Lord, give us understanding. Give us a challenge tonight in our spirits to to understand where the darts of the enemy come from, where the attack of the enemy comes from, how to raise that shield of faith and defeat the enemy in the different ways that he's trying to come at us. We bind you, Satan, by the power of the blood of Jesus, and we declare that we have the wisdom and the mind of Christ tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So how many know that story? What I want to show you tonight and talk about is the, is, the, is the word deceit. Now, if you think about the word deceit, I'm going to give you several verses. How many have been using the Bible app? Anybody been looking at that? Uh, the message is up already. It'll be there until Saturday uh, with all the verses. I'm going to continue to try to uh, keep, that, keep that going. But I want to talk tonight about how the enemy does not just come to us with temptation and just throw it in front of us and say, do this. Okay. He comes in a way that is deceitful. But he doesn't say, hey, I'm going to deceive you. He doesn't tell us that. And he comes, listen to what the word deceit means or deceitful. It means concealing or misrepresenting the truth. That's what deceitfulness is. Concealing or misrepresenting the truth. So how many know that the devil is good at telling a half-truth? Maybe three-quarters of a truth. 
but he's not going to tell you the whole truth, and he's going to give you enough truth. That's the, the dangerous thing about the devil. He's going to give you enough truth to it for it to sound good. He's not going to, if he came to us with just a blatant lie, we'd be like, nah, I'm not buying it. But he's going to throw in just enough truth. He's going to, in that temptation, he's going to make it just not so bad that he can get in the door. I'm going to understand what I'm saying. And so, there's, here's a similar system example. I was thinking about this today with, uh, how many of you have ever been to a carnival or a fair? The state fair, carnival. I've never really personally been into those games, but a lot of people like to play those games, you know, shoot the basket, hit the milk bottles, ring toss, and all those different things. Uh, to me, they're just a waste of money, and uh, no one ever wins, in my opinion. And if they do, it's kind of like Las Vegas. They let you win so they can get you to come back. And then by the time you get done, don't feel bad if you've ever spent $100 to get a $5 uh, stuffed animal for your wife or your friend. Okay, but that's it. What you end up doing, but I was reading a little bit on the on the milk thing, for example. Okay, they got those three milk bottles that are real heavy, and they're filled with lead, and then they have a ball that you have to hit them with. Well, the deceit is that the, the the deceitfulness is they're not telling you the whole truth. They've got all those stuffed animals, and many times they will let somebody win, so that other people see them win. And what they're doing is, is they'll, they'll have all those things, look, they're looking good. That's what, this, that's what Satan does. He makes sin look good. And he sees, and you, how many of you have ever been walking through the carnival or through the fair, and you see somebody carrying that big old thing? And you're going, see, I, knew, I know you can beat that thing because look. And you see someone carrying it. Well, what they'll do, for example, and this is a fact, at the milk thing, is they've got those three heavy things, and, and the ball that they give you is real light, and it can't knock those things over but they'll show you with a different ball. They have a heavy ball that they show you with, and so they just sit there and do it all day, and they throw it real hard, and they're closer, and they knock them down. And so they make you think that you can do the same thing. So they deceive you. They're giving you a half-truth. The half-truth is those milk bottles do fall, but they don't fall with the ball you use. And then every once in a while, they will let somebody have the ball that knocks the milk bottles over. So that it'll be a big fuss and a big name. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you felt you really won. If you really thought you were that good, okay? I'm not trying to kill your pride, amen? But if you walked away big-chested, that's all right. You still won the thing, amen? But they'll let you win so somebody's carrying that thing around. So it looks like it can be won, but it's deceit. Another thing is the ring toss. That guy's real close when he throws the rings on. And he's almost standing on top of it when he drops the rings on the ring toss. Same idea. So these things are things that are set up to deceive us. And Satan does the same thing. It'd be like the people in Las Vegas that, uh, and I will go there if you're foolish enough to ever gamble. That's, that's the dumbest thing you can do, amen, because that's all set up. They're sitting there watching on cameras. And the same thing, they let people win. Sorry if I just called you dumb, amen. They let people win. And so with dice especially, you're going to throw that dice, and they're going to let the dice fall the certain ways that they need to start off that with. And what they'll do is they'll get you caught. And then you might win. You might get lucky because that's all it is when you're throwing some dice. You get lucky enough to start winning, and then you don't realize that by the end of the day you're going to be losing. There's a reason there's a lot of money in Las Vegas. 
It's not because people are winning. It's because people are losing. And way more people lose than win. So that's a really good example of how Satan is. Satan will sometimes let a person lose the opposite of how we think or win, so to speak, so that he can grab somebody else in that's weaker. He'll let somebody else get away with something so he can get another prey to try to grab on them. So I want you to think about this with Genesis and what, what Adam and Eve were going through. Um, does the mic sound okay? Yeah? Okay. Um, sly, write this down, sly, cunning, and crafty is what the devil is. Now I have a thought I want to talk about tonight on deceitfulness, but I want to give you a few verses along the way as well. Proverbs 26, 24 to 26. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit. In his heart, when he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Take this to the bank and cash this check. Everything done in darkness will come to light. You know, Satan has been getting away with stuff for a long time. If we, look, we, we need to learn to look at the grand scheme of things. Satan seemingly has been getting away with things for a long time. But he's going to have his day. There's going to be a day when it's all going to come to light. But we have to be careful. I want you to think about this. We have to be careful when we're watching other people and looking at other people to not fall into the temptation to say, well, I see that person doing that thing so I can do that thing. Because every person in here has different areas in their life where you might be strong on and somebody else is weak on. And I especially want to talk about the areas of your life that don't necessarily just say sin. They don't just hit you over the head and say wrong. There's a whole lot of stuff in the Bible or in the world that is bad and wrong, but doesn't say that particular name in the Bible. And so Satan is going to come cunningly and what he's going to do, and I want you to think about this, is he's going to get you to think that God doesn't really care about you. Think about that. When he was talking to Eve in that story right there, he was trying to get her to understand that the reason that God doesn't want you to eat of that tree is because if you do, you'll be like him. And he doesn't really care about you. And the reason that he's keeping you from that tree is not because it's bad, but because it's really good. Isn't that interesting? That's what the devil does. He wants us to think that God is hiding something from us. What God is doing is protecting us from ourselves because we're selfish people. Colossians 2.8 says this. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. How many have began to learn that the way you make it with God is doing everything the way Jesus does it? it what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus react? 
And we need to understand that Satan is, is not the, the big, horned, scary, red-looking, growling, screaming, rabie-having person that we make him out to be. He is, the Bible says, dressing as an angel of light. He's going to come in subtly. That's what the word subtly means, cunning and, and, and crafty and sly. Have you ever been talking to someone and said, ooh, that was sly? Right? You heard him say something or do something. Mmm, that was good. You say, you almost got me there. Anybody ever had that happen? Some people are really, really good with their words. Some people make a living off of their words. They, they, you know, that's today, really, if you think about it, that's the reason that, and I hate to continue to beat a dead horse, but that's the reason there's so many big, humongous megachurches full of thousands and thousands of people that are not preaching the truth, but they're so good at what they say. They are so good at saying what you want to hear. They're so good at giving you a little bit of truth and a whole lot of puff. And they're, they're really just famous con artists. Because they're not telling you the whole truth. And, and, and I want you to think about this if you don't get anything else about this tonight. Let's think about Satan and how he deceived one-third of God's angels. If you don't think, and I'm not saying any of this to give glory to Satan, but you better recognize the enemy. One of the ways that you quench the fiery darts of the enemy, is you, that's what this whole series has been about, understanding what his darts are. He's not just pulling his arrow back and saying, here it comes. He's coming in ways that seemingly seem good. If you've ever been uh, set up or if you've ever been taken advantage of, if you've ever had somebody fool you, if you've ever had somebody trick you, if you've ever had somebody steal from you, if you've ever had somebody do something deceitful to you, they didn't just walk up, shake your hand and say, hey, I'm going to deceive you in the next few months of your life. I'm going to deceive you this afternoon and steal money from you. Nobody says that or does that. Satan is not going to come screaming at us and saying, hey, I'm about to deceive you. He didn't say to Adam and Eve, hey, I'm about to make you fall and the whole world behind it. He said, hey, what about that tree over there? What, what did God say? Just like when he went in Matthew 4, which has been the text of the whole sermon, the whole series, just like when he went to Jesus and said, hey, are you hungry? Yeah, he was hungry. Duh. He just came off a fast. Satan will study you. Satan will, will take his... Listen, I, I, I hate to say this, but it's the truth. Satan's like ISIS. Sit back, plan, wait, strategize, live in the country, act like the people, live with the people, eat with the people, and then blow them up. Y'all remember 9-11? Remember they didn't just come over on a plane. They were here for 5, 10, 15 years. Planning. Strategizing. Satan will do the same thing. Satan will wait. He'll, he'll, he'll study you out. He'll study you out as, as the enemy. And he'll think. He'll, he'll take notes. He'll, he'll send notes to his demons. He'll say, hey, here, here's some ways we can get that person. Because let me tell you something. It's public knowledge in the spiritual world. What your weakness is. Let me say that again. Not here in the church. 
But it's public knowledge in the spiritual world, good and bad, what your weakness is. So if I have a, a alcohol problem, and then that's and I don't, and that's my problem. I'm an alcoholic. I just I just need alcohol. I just that's that's my addiction. He's not going to come at me with something that is not something that I've struggled with. But he's also not just going to throw something in front of me. He is working up a case against you. Now, I'm not saying any of this to scare you tonight. I'm saying it to you to understand that there's an enemy who works cunning and crafty. And, and, and behind the scenes and, and he's patient because he has a lot of time on his hands. And he, and he feels in his heart. See, we know that this is about to wrap up pretty soon. But he knows that he thinks I got a little bit more time. So he's going to wait. He's going to set a trap. and He's going to wait for us. And I, and I was thinking about this. Let me give you a couple more verses. Ephesians 4.22 says, Put off concerning the former conversation of the old man. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but let me tell you something. If you're saved tonight and born again, you shouldn't talk the way you used to talk. Our conversations should change. Our vocabulary should change. Our words should change. We should begin to talk and think and act differently. And, and Paul says, put off that former way. Now, another dead horse that I like to beat, and it just has to be hit, is when we become chameleon Christians. We're, we're anti that in this place. We're teaching you, don't be a chameleon Christian. Don't be holy, holy, holy is the Lord here in church and be something else somewhere else. Amen. You be the influence to the person around you instead of the person around you being the influence to you. Because let me tell you something, you make it easy for the devil if you just act like everybody else when you get around them. That's easy. Don't be easy. Make it hard for the devil at least. Make him think twice about coming after you. So he says, put that off. Now watch, why do I say that? Because he says, our old man is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. We are corrupt people. Will you be honest tonight and realize and recognize and admit that if you weren't saved, a lot of the things you don't do anymore, you'd be doing. Would you be honest? I've never tried to fool myself into thinking that I've become a good person. I'm still a bad person inside. and in the core of who I am, I'm a sinner. I've been sanctified through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I have to walk that out every single day. And I understand the implications of my sins. We talked about David in the last few weeks. You know, we see David fail with Bathsheba. But we don't see David and, and, and the, the circumstances of that sin happen immediately. It takes a little bit of time. Nine months to be exact. Until that baby's born. You know, he hid, he, hid it, he hid it for a while because there was no evidence. He had already killed the father or the husband of the woman. He'd already covered everything up, and nine months later, all of a sudden, there's a baby, and they find out it couldn't have been the man who's dead, so it was David. Y'all here? So Numbers 23 says that your sins will find you out. I can't do anything today that I'm going to hide and put, put, put away, and later on, it's not going to find me out. 
I said this, I think, last week, and I'll mention it again. I always tell the guys in discipleship, write in your Bible, she will tell. She will tell. She might be 98 years old, but she's going to tell. It's going to come out. It's not going to go to the grave. So don't think that, and that goes for you women too, but don't think you're going to get away with something because you got away with it at the moment. Why am I saying this? Because we, we can't compromise the little things that the devil's using to cause us to make a big mistake. He doesn't just come in and just take us out. Bad things, bad decisions don't happen overnight, and they don't happen just all of a sudden. They happen because of a lot of little bad decisions. Where does Satan comes in and just, listen, he was working on Adam and Eve before he ever got them to fall with the tree. He was already coming and whispering in their ears and telling them things and working on them and working on how he could set them up. And, and I, want, I want to really hit something tonight that I think is really important. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. We touched on this in discipleship. So important. Be not deceived. I've already mentioned the word deceived several times tonight. Be not deceived. Evil company corrupts good judgment. Bad company corrupts good judgment. You are not going to make it. I'll just give you the, the, the bad news right now up front. You're not going to make it for God if you don't cut some ties with some relationships that you had from your former person. You can't be a friend of the world and be a friend with God. You can't expect to, to now be changed and saved and go back in and save all those people that you used to run with. There will come a time when they will begin to see in your life that you're a changed person. But you cannot go back into the territory that God saved you from. You have to build up yourself and you have to understand it's going to take some time and some decisions and sometimes some years before you're able to be strong enough to stand those temptations. Because one of the worst things we can do as believers is think I've got this under control I'm good now I'm I'm strong I've been saved for so many years listen church anybody at any time at any place can fall nobody is exempt from the enemy and his deceitfulness why because there's truth there we don't always Work on those truths. I'm going to hit this point in a second. I'm just kind of building up to it. When Jesus is being tempted about the first thing, what was the, how many know what the first thing was that he was tempted on? He was hungry. What did Satan say? Turn these stones into bread. So that was not a sin, but he knew that he could not offer Jesus drugs. He, he couldn't put marijuana in front of Jesus and say, hey, let's take a hit. Some of you all got that. Some of you didn't. I'll come back to it again. And what that means is Satan's not going to tempt you with something that's not tempting. He's going to tempt you with something that tempts you. He's going to find out. He's going to try things. And, and if, if he can't get you on those little things, then he'll make a note. Okay, that didn't work. I'm going to try that one again. Oh, this. Oh, yeah, that one right there. Okay. Underline. Circle. Highlight. We're highlighting in here tonight in our Bibles. Satan's highlighting with his demons what, what gets us. Let me highlight that right there. Oh, oh, they got off the drugs. 
They don't want to, oh, they don't, they don't really do that. No, but they get angry real easy. Okay, let me write that down. Oh, yeah, they're easily angered. Okay, they, oh, they still got a lust problem. Let me write that down. Oh, they're, they're, they, they, they cannot seem to forgive that person every time. Oh, let me write that down. Come on, guys. He's taking notes. And he's working. And he's, he sees, the, he sees the, the little puncture points. He sees little areas where, oh, that hurts us. And it's kind of like a big brother or big sister that learns how to bug a person, right? And you know exactly how to push those buttons. You know exactly what to do to bother that person. And, and, and you've got it. In the note, in the, and the, the, what we do as younger siblings is we fall into the trap every single time. And how do you get an older sibling, if you've ever had one, to stop bugging you? You don't act like they're bugging you. I finally got wise. Took a lot of years. Oh, he likes that. He likes to see me mad. He likes to see me cry. He likes to see me whine. He like, and I was younger. He likes this. Okay, now I need to act like this doesn't bother me. It's going to still bother me, but I can't let him know it's bothering me because if I let him know it's bothering me, he's going to keep doing it. Sometimes you got to show Satan, that don't bother me. Uh-uh, you're not getting me there. I'm growing up in the Lord. I'm getting wiser in the Lord. I'm not drinking milk anymore. I'm starting to drink. I'm starting to eat some meat of the word of God. I'm not going to fall for the same things over and over and over again. You're not going to come to me with with philosophy and empty deceit. You're not going to get me with that anymore, devil. Now, listen, the devil's never going to stop trying. I can't sit here and tell you there's going to be a time when he's ever going to stop trying. But I can tell you he will go after easier prey. When he begins to see that he can't get anywhere with you, he's going to find someone easier to pick on. I, I mentioned that in this series about the bully. The bully, really, I mean, there are some weird people who just, they just like to get hit. But the, the most bullies, if they start to realize that they, could, they might get hit back by that person, they're going to go pick on somebody that the lunch is free. Right? They're bullying because they want to get free lunch. If the person says no and they put up a fight, then they're going to be like, hey, there's someone else around here who will give me free lunch. Satan and his demons are the same way, but he's, he's watching. Now, I'm, I'm going to get to this point here in a second. I want you to write this down. And Actually, let me write this down so I don't forget it. I'll tell you to write this down so I don't forget it. Here's, here's the thing that's in my spirit tonight that's really strong in my spirit. If you are convicted by something, write that down. If I am convicted by something, I am convicted by something. Because when we walk out of here, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. If I'm convicted about, about something, something to me is wrong. Some kind of sin, some kind of thing that I know is wrong. Okay? If I'm convicted by something, should or could or can that conviction ever change? I want you to write that down. Should or could or can that conviction ever change? Okay? Proverbs 20:17 says, "Bread gained by deceit, I love this verse, is sweet to a man." How many, how many know if somebody's getting away with something at the moment, it's good. Like, like when you begin to, to do something that's wrong and nobody's finding out about it, it's kind of good. You, you enjoy it. Hey, this is fun. Nobody knows. That's why you keep doing it. Then someone's going to find out. Maybe, maybe you've been 
And I'm just throwing out an example. Maybe you've been getting some money at work. And I hope nobody's doing this. I'm just giving an example. Maybe you've been able to take a little money at work. And maybe you've been able to mess around with the numbers a little bit. And someone, you know, you start getting a little bit of money in your pocket. And nobody knows. And it's going over good. You know, it's, it's eventually going to, you know, it's eventually going to come to the books. But at that moment, it's sweet because you got a little extra cash flow. And money's flowing. Everything's going good. So it says, Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man. Listen to this. But afterward, his mouth will be full of gravel. That's what Proverbs, yeah, that's a whistle one right there. His mouth will be full of gravel. See, Satan only tells us the temporary, momentary pleasure. Here's a generic example. We grew up, now it's changed a little bit for this generation, but the older ones that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s and up, we remember growing up with all the cigarette commercials. The Marlboro Man. Cool, strong, rigid, powerful, tough, cowboy, just manly, smoking that Marlboro cigarette without a filter. We grew up with those those commercials about cigarettes. Now, we know that a few years back, however long ago that was, it got so bad, they got sued by the government, and now they have to put cigarettes will kill you on their boxes. So it's a little less popular to buy cigarettes. Like, I remember being in the airport and just walking through and seeing those stores, and I saw big letters, these will kill you. I thought that was so funny. And someone's still grabbing the box. It's like, wow. But so cigarettes were a big thing. And they'd show these commercials, and they'd show these ladies in bikinis, and they'd show these men real strong, they'd show these athletes, they'd do all these things. Right? Tell me remember the commercials. But they never showed that man or that woman on an oxygen machine, sucking air, trying to breathe, breathing or talking through a hole in their throat because their throat's been removed. They don't seem to show the end result of the cigarettes. They just show the temporary, momentary, pretty thing. That's what devil does. Satan showed the fruit. Satan showed you could be like God. Satan showed, hey, if you, if you eat of this, the reason he's hiding this from you is because he's not showing you everything. He's, he's keeping something from you. And he only shows that, but he didn't show. I mean, he's not going to sit there and say, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you guys to eat this, and you're going to curse all of humanity. And you're going to end up getting kicked out of this nice, beautiful garden. And you're going to, and Eve, you're going to have to have pain when you have birth. And Adam, you can't just chill no more. Your, your vacation's over. You have to work. Right? He didn't tell, he doesn't say any of that stuff. And that's what he does with temptation. This is, this is how we quench the fiery darts. We work, we recognize how he works. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth is full of gravel. Now, we know the end result. Revelation 12, 9 is the end result. Here's the end result of what's going to happen. He says, God says in his word, this is why we know we just have to hold on. We just got to make it past the test. We got to continue to, to say no to the temptations of the enemy because we know the end is going to be on our, we're going to be victorious. Right? Like my pastor says, it's a fixed fight. We just got to be in the fight. We just got to run the race. But he says that, Revelation 12, 9, and that great dragon was thrown down that ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan. Guess what the other word for the devil and Satan is? The deceiver. The 
deceiver. And then it says, of the whole world. Of the whole world. I hate that it says that. That's what it says. He's the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, think about this. Do not be deceived, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good manners, good character, good judgment. I was thinking about this today, about the fall of Satan. What the the devil will do with somebody is, he will really convict them on an air. Sorry, not the devil. God will really begin to convict somebody. I want you to think about this. Whatever area Satan is tempting you on, you should be recognizing that there is just as strong or stronger a conviction by the Holy Spirit. Wherever you're being convicted on the most and dealt with the most by God is where you need to be the most open to watching out for the devil. Because there's a reason why the Holy Spirit is convicting you there. Because the Holy Spirit knows that if you don't stop doing that, or if you continue to do that, or if you don't fix that, or if you don't deal with that, that you're going to not only do that, but you're going to do something else. Because anything the devil's ever trying to get you to do is not just for that one day. Because the Bible says that he is trying to kill you. Not just hurt you. We, need, we really need, you know, last week we talked about the word hate, the whole message. We need to hate the devil. We need to hate sin. We need to hate unrighteousness. We need to hate deceit. You've got to get to a place in your walk with God that you hate the things of the enemy. But what do we have today? We have a church of people around the world who are in love with the world instead of in love with God. They don't hate sin enough. And if we hate, it's like a snake, a poisonous snake. If you you play with a poisonous snake long enough, you're going to get bit. You can't, you might have a couple days as they do in those crazy churches where you get to play with it a little bit. But guess what? You're eventually going to get bit. If you play with Satan, you're eventually going to get bit. Because he's trying to bite. So we cannot play with Satan. We cannot play with sin. We cannot take lightly the conviction. Listen, if the, listen to this again. If the conviction of the Holy Spirit is dealing with you on something, you take heed to that because he's seriously working on an area of your life that the devil knows is trouble for you. Did you catch that? So if I'm convicted strongly on something, now listen, we could take all week and have everybody uh, write down and say, this is what I'm really, this is what I really get tempted on. This is my weakness. This, and, and you could write that down yourself so you could have it. And we'd all have different things. There'd be some, some common things. But everybody in general has different things that are weaknesses. And again, what might be a weakness for me is not a weakness for you. What might be a weakness for you is not a weakness for me. It's not an area that would get me. Everybody has different things. But I want you to understand, Satan has an arrow facing your weakness. But he has a smoke screen over here trying to get you set up so that you don't see that arrow coming. So think about this. This is something that really bothers my spirit. If somebody's really convicted on something and really 
I mean, they have said in their life, in their prayer life to others, this is wrong. But then, all of a sudden, I get around somebody else who doesn't think that's wrong. And they seem to be good and they seem to love God and they seem to, you know, talk the talk. And then they begin to kind of tell me, come on, man, what's, what's the big deal about that? I worry about people who change their convictions. Come on, it's quiet in here. Do you worry about people? You should, because you need to be careful that doesn't become you, that you don't change your convictions. God's not up there going, well, you know, uh, let, let's talk about this. I, I kind of felt like it was bad a couple years ago, but, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Now, go ahead. You think God does that? God doesn't change. And, and, and you have tendencies. And doors open up doors to other things. Generic example, never met in my life, and I've dealt with lots of people, never met a drug addict who woke up and smoked crack one day. It started with cigarettes. Then they started smoking weed. And it went from there. That's how sin is. The devil is eventually wanting you to be a drug addict. But he's going to start you on the little things. Now I'm going to throw this out just to close tonight because I want to I want to mention this again later in a different sermon that I'm working on. I'm just going to give the example. I, I read this little story. It was really powerful. I'm just going to give you a second of it. Not the whole thing, but the jest and the idea. This man was raised in church and uh, had a call of God on his life, his whole life. Had pastors as parents. And in his home, he was taught from a young age that it was not good to drink. Not even socially, just not at all. They just abstained. His parents abstained. They never drank. They never, they never touched alcohol. And he kind of took that stand. And then he got, he got married. He went into the ministry. He then went on to work, go into the army, served as a chaplain. And all the, not only his teen years, but then his older years, then his 20s, he had that conviction that it was wrong to drink at all. But he got into the army and he, and he met a chaplain, another chaplain. And this chaplain really just, just became a good friend. And he, he was an older man. And this other man really had a, had a camaraderie with the people. People really listened to him, respected him. And, and he began to just really admire this man and just really look up to this man. And just really say, man, you know, he's looking ahead. I want to be like this guy. I'm a, I want to be a chaplain like this guy. And they just became friends. And, and the other guy began to, ment began to mentor him. Well, time went on. And one night, he invited this man over to his house. And so they sat down to eat. And the man had some wine on the table. And he said, hey, you want to drink a wine? His entire life, he had had the conviction himself. I'm not going to drink a drink of alcohol. Not a drop. And the other man who he admired, the other man who he looked up to, the other man who he saw fruit in his life, the other man who was, a, who was a great example to him said, come on, the Bible doesn't say you can't drink. The Bible says that you can not get drunk. And he went into this whole spill. The spill is not what the Bible said there or, or how he brought it to him. The situation was that he had always had a conviction in his heart 
that he was not going to touch alcohol. Yet by the persuasion of this man, he took a drink that night. And guess what? He liked it. He liked the taste. Now, he could have very easily not liked it. He could have very easily been like, nah, yuck. But he liked it. And Satan knew his entire life, I'm going to be patient with this guy. But there's a day right there. I'm down the road. I'm going to wait for him. And I'm going to get him. And I'm, I'll tell the whole story later. But let me just tell you that that night, he drank one glass of wine that turned into two, that turned into a whole bunch. And not only did he drink for the first time in his life, he got drunk for the first time in his life. And the, the story went downhill from there. And I don't want to tell the whole thing, but he became a full-blown alcoholic from the conviction of not a drink. How many see how dangerous it is to have a personal conviction? It, it doesn't have to say for you, don't do this, verse, there's verse, verse. It has to say, Holy Spirit says, don't do this. Because I know you better than you know yourself. And I know the areas that if you open up the door to it, you're going downhill. And I, I know you better than you know yourself, so listen to me. But you have the Holy Spirit over here talking, and you have the demon whispering in your ear very cunningly, very craftily, very subtly, saying, that's not true. Come on, really think about it. Now, I'm going to end with this thought. It's real serious. Because... We think sometimes, really, if you really want to see, how do I make it? How, do I, how am I going to make it to heaven? Don't get prideful. It's that simple. Stay humble. Because when we begin to feel like we have made it, when we begin to feel like I've got a grip on this thing, when we begin to feel like I, I can't be tempted, when we begin to feel like I can, I can do what, I, what, you know, what Paul said, it, not everything's wrong, but not, some, some things are, are not wrong, but there's some things are not profitable. When we begin to, to kind of go down that path and, and try to figure out what we can do that's not wrong, but it's not profitable, when we begin to just test the waters, you're in trouble. Don't test the waters. Be on the safe side. Come on, give me an amen so I can continue. Be on the safe side. This isn't about just drinking. This is, this is anything that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking in your ear. And he's telling you, don't do it. Don't go there. Because what we do is we get impatient. We get impatient. And we think, man... Where's God? This is the key. Satan wants us to think God's not there. Satan wants us to think, you know, you've been, listen closely, you've been doing it right for a long time. You've been walking the walk for a long time. What's that got you? Where, what's that getting you? He's going to, he's going to, he'll, he'll pat you on the back a little bit. Hey, you've been doing real, real good, but that hasn't gotten you that raise. You've been doing real, real, real good, but you haven't found that person you want to marry yet. You've been doing real, real good, but, and he'll just start throwing all this stuff out. And he'll start telling you, you know, come on, man, what you're doing is not working because God ain't with you no more. How, how could he do that? Yet he was able to somehow trick cunningly and craftily and, and, and subtly one-third of the angels in heaven who were standing in the presence of God. 
Wow. You don't think he can fool you? If you get to the place where you think, I'm good, I can do this. If you get around somebody else that says, you can do this, be careful. Because that door may not look dangerous, but it's not that door Satan's working on. It's the door called death. It's the door called eternity. It's the door called hell. It's the door called compromise. It's the door that he does not, he's not showing you the doors now. He's just showing you this one, and it looks good. And he's good at showing it. And so as the musicians come tonight, I want you to really understand, not, 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 I'm not trying to put a fear in you that makes you not sleep tonight. I'm trying to put a fear in you that gives you wisdom. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And I have to stop and say, how is the best way I can quench the fiery darts of the enemy? By recognizing and realizing if Satan was good enough to deceive a third of... Can you imagine if Jesus Christ was... We know he's here in the presence. We know he's here in the spirit. We know the Holy Spirit of God is here. But can you imagine if we were literally physically having Jesus sitting here tonight in the front row or he was speaking to us? Can you imagine, just, just picture with me, that he, we know, again, we know he's spiritually here. We know that. We know he lives in us. But can you imagine if he was physically here tonight, and then Satan walked in looking all nice and debonair, and began to tell us, this guy's a liar. He's a fake. He's, he's not good. He doesn't love you. And in this same room, one third of us believe that guy. Can you imagine? Seems impossible, doesn't it? And they weren't even on earth. They were in heaven. And somehow, Satan was so good with his words. He looked so good. He looked so right. He had so much power that a third of those angels, looking at God right in front of their face, feeling the presence of God, said, I'm with you, buddy. Now think about this. Do you think Satan told them up there, hey, you someday are going to burn in hell? Nah, of course not. They wouldn't have gone. He wouldn't have said, I am going to use you for 7,000 years. And then we're all going to go to the pits of hell and burn forever. He didn't do that. Because he told them the momentary, temporary blessing. He said, I've got power. I'm going to rebel and God's going to give me power. Come with, who's with me? And listen carefully. Those demons, the angels then, now demons, weren't just fooled in one second. Satan was up there scheming for a while. Because he's not going to just get you overnight. He don't just get you overnight. Is anybody grasping that tonight on this whole series? He's not just going to grab you and yank you out because we have free will. He's cunning. We, we, we see him as a snake in the garden. What do snakes do? Slither. Hang out in the dark. Hang up in the trees. Satan was around the garden way before he ever came to tempt Adam and Eve. 
He didn't just all of a sudden, hey, you think I'm going to go tempt them. He had a plan. He had a strategy. He was listening to the conversations man and Adam and Eve were having with God. He's thinking, how can I get them? So we have to be wise tonight. We have to understand that he is a deceiver. And let me remind you what deception is. A concealing or misrepresenting of the truth. It's not even a lie. That's what's dangerous. It's not a lie. It's a misrepresentation of the truth. How do they kill rats? Just a little bit of poison inside that food that tastes and smells. Trust me, I know it. I use it a lot here. All over the building, I had them sitting around, killing them rats, killing those mice, whatever they are. If I just put out a thing that said, I'm going to kill you, they wouldn't go for it. But the little mouse food they make smells good and looks good and tastes good. Y'all with me? Smells good, looks good, tastes good. Sounds like sin. For a little while. And I'm not trying to be gross, but those little mice nibble on it and eat it and they get full and they feel good and they go have a little party. They go hang out and talk, fellowship. And all of a sudden they say, excuse me, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm not feeling well. They don't come back from the bathroom. They go die in some wall. A lonely death. It's not that far from reality. It looks good, smells good, tastes good. That's what they'll tell you on the drinking, you know, the commercials. But they don't ever show the worship of the porcelain God. They don't ever show that. On your knees. Everything coming up. Being real. He doesn't do that. He's, this looks good. Temporary. Temporary. Looks good, looks good, tastes good, feels good. They don't show the results. Satan hates your guts. He doesn't like you at all. He hates the God we love. So we need to hate him back. And like I said last week, don't flirt with him. Don't mess with him. Don't talk to him. Don't give him the time of day. Come on. We need to stop giving Satan the time of day. And be kingdom minded. Have the mind of Christ. Jesus immediately said, no, I don't want to turn those stones into bread. No. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need to get the word in us enough that we can defend ourselves with his word. And don't let people twist the word to try to get you to believe something else. It's the word and it's the word and the word doesn't change. Let's stand tonight. So a couple of key things. He tries to deceive us. And I have in my notes that I didn't really get to. He, he gets familiar with us. If we let him hang around, if we let him hang around and don't kick him out, we need to get to the place. What did James say again? Resist the devil and he will what? Flee. Doesn't say entertain him. Doesn't say hang out with him. 
doesn't say, hey, I'm warning you. Remember we talked about last week, like the five no's that parents do? Hey, no, I told you no. But the kid goes, there's one. I said no, there's two. Don't do that to the devil. That kid knows you're going to tell him five times no before you spank him, if you spank him. But if you just say, hey, I'm going to tell you once, come on. Kids need to listen. Hey, kids need to be in a place where you just look at them. The look. If I, have to t- if I have to tell you again, but see, the problem is we tell them, if I have to tell you again, and we do. We can't be like that with Satan. I told you no, Satan, and he knows you're bluffing. But if he knows you're serious, get out, Satan. I'm not playing no games. I'm kingdom-minded. I'm, I'm about my father's business. I'm not trying to mess around with this little, this little petty stuff you're trying to pull me into. I don't need that temporary fun. I don't need that temporary happiness. I, I, I got something bigger waiting for me in heaven called eternity. I'm not messing around with this junk you're trying to offer me. It's really not appealing to me. And if we're in the word and we're in prayer and we're in relationship with the Lord, those things become, I can tell you this, this, I said earlier, I can't promise you he'll ever stop, but I can tell you this, sin will become less appealing. I can tell you that. If you stay in love with Jesus, you you get to a place where you, you hate sin more every day. You don't want to have anything to do with it, but you have to be careful not to entertain things. You've got to get a place of conviction in your life, and that conviction does not change no matter what, no matter who you're around, no matter who you you talk to, no matter how good it sounds. No, this is my conviction. And if you're a good friend, you're not going to be trying to talk me into it because this is my conviction. And I'm not going to try to talk you out of your conviction. This is something that's really serious to you. I'm going to respect that and I'm going to pray for that. I'm not going to put that in front of you. But that's what the devil does. So Father, tonight we ask for your help because we're serious about this kingdom business and we're not looking for how we can get away with sin we're not looking for for the areas that we can walk the line like a like a young kid would do we put a line on the ground and and in the flesh of a young kid we say i'm gonna get as close to that line as i can lord that's not what we're looking for we're we're getting off the milk tonight getting into the meat of the word of god we're getting to a place of maturity in god and i and i look at some of the areas in my life that that, that you're working on, God, and that Satan's tempting me on, and I'm recognizing that if I mess around with that stuff, I can fall. I'm not going to mess around with it. I'm not going to give it the time of day. I'm not going to turn in a momentary, temporary pleasure for a life of sin. I'm not going to lose my walk with you over some temporary sin. I'm not going to do that, God. I'm not going to do that, Satan. I tell you tonight, God, we, we all come before you tonight. We say, Lord, we're, we're serious about this walk. We're not going to be deceived. We recognize who the deceiver is, and there is no good in him at all. But you're perfect, Father. And your will is to show your power in us through Christ. Because, Jesus, you already defeated all those temptations. You already defeated all those things in our lives already, and we're not going to entertain the temptations around us. I'm not going to, and I'm really, I really feel this strong for somebody tonight, I'm not going to waver on my convictions. 
as you're listening to me pray tonight, understand, do not waver on your convictions, whatever they are. Don't waver. Don't ever change. Your, God's not going to change his mind on something he has told you is wrong. You, that's for you, and it's for life. Stay with it. Don't change it. Don't, don't, don't give in to it. Don't be deceived by it. Don't, don't look at it as empty philosophy and deceit and say, this isn't that big of a deal. Because he's not playing games. He's playing for keeps. And I'm not going to give the devil the time of day. Because I thank Jesus for dying on the cross for my sins and I'm not going to trample on his blood over some, some petty little thing that I can try to get away with. I don't want to be like the world. I don't want to look like the world. I don't want to act like the world. I want to act like Jesus. I want to look like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus, realizing I'm going to fail in that, realizing I'm not going to be perfect, but my heart says, God, help me be like you. How many tonight all over this place would be serious with God and say, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to be born again tonight. I want to give Jesus Christ the Lordship of my life. If you would just quickly raise your hand, I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see your hand. How many more? God bless you. I see your hand. I'm, I'm not playing games. I really, I really understand that Satan's ultimate goal is to take me to hell. He's not, he's not playing games. He hates me. He doesn't want anything good for me. I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to change temporary pleasure for eternal loss. Maybe you're here tonight and you do know Jesus Christ. You have a relationship with him. You've been saved. You've, you've been baptized. You've served God. But I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand on this. You just, between you and God, you're, you're here tonight and the Holy Spirit's telling you, listen, this message is for you. I don't need to know. I don't need you to raise your hand. This is between you and God. You tell God tonight in your spirit, you're speaking to me, Lord. There's some things in my life that I'm compromising on. There's some areas in my life that I'm giving into that I didn't used to give into. I'm, I, I, so the influences around me are, are causing me to, to make decisions I know I shouldn't make. If that's you, you deal with that with God tonight. You get to that place where you say, Lord, you, you, you told me that for a reason because you're keeping me from something. You have an eternal purpose in mind for me. Amen. Praise God. Amen. God's touching his heart. Praise God. Amen. Amen. That's repentance. Praise God. We're going to open up the altars right now. If, somebody, if God's dealing with you, come pray. If God's, if God's uh, saying, Lord, look, that, that it may not seem big to you, but it's big to me. If you need to give your life to Jesus, just come. As we begin to sing this song, there's a spirit of repentance here tonight. Amen. That hand went up, Kendra, if you'd pray with her. Right there, salvation, Ariana. Even yes. For you. Yes, just, just, just say, Lord, I'm, I'm serious about this. My heart and my flesh cries out for the living God.
God for yourself. You say, Lord, help me in those areas tonight that I need to stop messing around with. I'm not playing games, Father. I'm not going to fall into that temptation tonight. This is serious business. I need you. I need you. I need you, Lord.
remember that doing right has a price. You will be persecuted. You will be made fun of. You will be sometimes by Christians. Remember if a Christian is persecuting you for your convictions, you need to question if they're a Christian. Honestly. Because if, if something is, is important to you and it's wrong to you, I should respect that. Because I don't know what you're going through. It might seem foolish to me. Um, it might seem like well, that's not a big deal. But if it's a big deal to you, it's because Satan's, God, or sorry, God's telling you that's a big deal. And so it should be a big deal. It's one of the problems many times is we're too, we're too uh, group driven. Like I said, God can tell me this is wrong. And then Satan and some other people can come along and it looks all right. And there's, again, not to beat a dead horse. That's why the mega churches are so popular. If there's 20,000 people in a church, they've got to be preaching the truth. There's got, they got, it can't all be wrong. They've got to, they've got to have something together. There's 20,000 people there. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. Every time Jesus had a multitude of people, what did he do? He preached straight at them. Straight at them. They came for the healing. They came for the food. They came for the, for the supernatural. And he'd say, you brood of vipers, get your hearts right. He'd preach at them. He'd, those people that would come along and, and say, hey, you can't heal on the Sabbath, he'd, he'd, he'd rebuke them right there. Because it's a heart issue. Who am I to tell you, well, that's not a big deal. If the Holy Spirit's telling you, that's a big deal. Because, again, he knows my tendencies. He knows your tendencies. Conviction is personal. That's why one of my favorite verses is in Philippians. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Your own. I should not be concerned about how you're working yours out. Or if I get a conviction, I say, hey, this is how you, you, you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because if you want to sin... You will find somebody to sin with you, and they can be called Christians. You will find, I promise you, anything in the world you want to do, you can find a church that will say it's okay. Anything. You can go and find a place where they will not, they'll preach against it. They'll say it's okay. But if it's wrong to you, it's wrong. The Bible says that sin is knowing what to do is right and not doing it. So once you've been convicted of something, that's why I said it's not going to change. God doesn't convict you on something just for seasons. Now, he might come stronger on something at some seasons, but he's not going to change something. If he told me something's wrong, it's wrong. And it's wrong for me because he knows the end result. So this is how you quench the fiery dart. So here's what 2 Timothy 2, sorry, 3 says, 12 and 13. In fact, Paul says, in fact... Everyone who wants to live a godly life, how many want to live a godly life? 
everybody. Everyone, now again, he said, in fact, so he said, take this to the bank. If everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now that doesn't always mean physically. It doesn't mean being beaten. It means being made fun of, being messed with, being joked about, whatever. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's what he says. So let the world do what they're going to let the, and what we've got to remember though is remember that when he's writing this to, to Timothy and he's writing to the Corinthians and he's writing to the Galatians and he's writing to the Ephesians, he's not writing to the world, he's writing to Christians. So imposters and deceivers are going to be in the church. Now I pray we don't have any here. I'm just saying in general. These are always general things. They're going to come in the church. They're going to try to get other people to, you know, if you're more concerned about telling people what they can do and should do than, than what they shouldn't do, something's wrong there. Go, go live your life, but just don't, don't try to get other people to jump on your ship unless it's winning souls. Got to be careful about that stuff. I'm always going to take the side of, of, of safety because I don't want to stand in heaven before God and have you point your finger at me and tell me you never told me that was wrong. I'm always going to take the safe side. It's how we should live our life. If you're not sure about something, go the safe way. Does that make sense? If there's something you're not sure, if it's, it doesn't say thou shalt not do this, it doesn't say that, for example, a cigarette, not just, just to give an example, it doesn't say thou shalt not smoke cigarettes. There's things in the, that are not in the Bible just specifically that say something. But if it's a sin to you, you need to say, okay, God, I'm not going to do that. You need to take heed to that because he sees the end from the beginning. He sees the end from the beginning. And, and it's the saddest thing in the world with this, this story. It's a true story. I'm going to tell that story again. I'm going to read the whole thing, though. All his life, he, held, he kept himself. All those years that conviction all those years and then he got around somebody who said no it's okay but he was a Christian and he compromised and when he compromised like I said you give listen you give the devil an inch he'll take a mile and there's an old saying I hate it's kind of generic but it's true he'll take you further than you want to go keep you longer than you want to stay it's true you go, you, 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 they shouldn't have spent 40 years in the wilderness. One act of disobedience take you way out, way out. So we walk in the fear of the Lord, not in the fear that he's trying to strike me with lightning. No, in the fear of the Lord saying, Lord, I, this is kind of a gray area to me. So I'm taking the safe side. I don't want to be wrong about this. And he's dealing always with us in different areas. I can't just pinpoint one thing. It doesn't matter. Whatever you, the Lord's deal, that's you and God. But, but what a valiant thing to do. That's, God saw your heart from the moment you stepped forward, and you're already forgiven just by stepping out. Amen. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. Amen. And that's for everybody. That's what Jesus said to that woman. Go and sin no more. But when it's that serious, I, I, the night I got saved, that's how I came to the altar. Exactly what you just did. It was like a flashback to me. I, I didn't, he wasn't done preaching. I was at the altar crying. I knew I was going to hell that night. I knew I was going to hell. And I gave my life to Jesus. So don't worry about what other people think. Worry about what God thinks. 
Let's say the sinner's prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you. We believe in you. We need you. We know that we're sinners. Lost without you. We know that you're the Savior of the world because you came down from heaven and lived a perfect life. Died a perfect death for my sins. You who knew no sin became sin for me so that I could become the righteousness of God. Jesus, I confess with my mouth you are Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead and you defeated death, hell, and the grave. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Please write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life and help me walk forward from this day until I see you in eternity under the conviction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's praise him one more time. Just thank him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for real decisions. Father, as we dismiss tonight, thank you for real decisions being made. It doesn't matter if it was public. It doesn't matter if a hand went up. You see everything. You see how you're dealing with us individually. Lord God, as, as, as I said a couple weeks ago, let us be more concerned about what you say about us in private than what people say about us in public. Let us be more concerned about pleasing you than pleasing man. And Lord, that's where right will come out right. Lord, protect us tonight. Take us home safely. Count us worthy tonight for your return, Jesus. We know it's soon and very soon, Lord, you'll be coming to get us. Keep us ready. Keep us watching. Let us go tell people about you tonight and tomorrow and all week, Father, leading back up to Sunday, just to just make us a soul-winning agency for Jesus. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.